it is me. I am back for another episode. Um, if you can, you can probably likely tell from the title of this episode that this one is going to be about anger when it comes to, um, scapegoated people and families and, um, just in general when you're a trauma survivor, but of course I was or am the scapegoat from my family, so that's the perspective I will have. Um, but yeah, so I wanted to talk about that. I had therapy yesterday and, um, just a forewarning, uh, (laughs) this month, there's definitely going to be a bit of me every week being sadder about the fact that the, that at the end of the month, um, is when I'll stop seeing my therapist. Like yesterday I was like, huh, I only have three more appointments with her. This is sad as hell. Um, even though I am glad that she is not like working herself into exhaustion by quitting this second job, it still sucks ass because I really like her. Um, and I'm going to cry a lot, (laughs) which is uncomfortable. Even with a therapist that's me seeing me cry a lot is harder to cry about missing somebody instead of talking about how horrible your parents were. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) um, to talk about the subject I wanted to discuss. So anger is one of those emotions that not only is it really important, I think it's honestly like the key for a lot of um, trauma survivors from abusive families to really like get to almost like a next level when you're doing your healing journey. Um, because for most of us, being angry was something that we didn't really get to do or were afraid to do. So when we learn how to do it um, without like self-destructing or without it or without like being terrified of that we're going about to turn into whoever abused us, it's a big kind of game changer. And you definitely go through a phase where you're just like really angry at everything (laughs) and you just kind of let yourself be really mad um a lot because it's like the first time in your life that you've ever let yourself be angry um like I laugh because I remember myself when I was in that phase like after I left my treatment program um one of the last things the therapist at my treatment program helped me learn was how to was like proving to myself that I could be angry without turning into like an out of control monster like my dad was. Um, and so after I left that program, I, I was like angry a lot because I was, instead of holding it all inside and it just like exploding when I couldn't hold it in anymore, I was like finally like letting myself be angry at people, telling people when I was mad about stuff. But it's it's almost like we go from like one extreme to another because it's a very normal thing. Like you, I I'm not allowed that if you're listening to this podcast, I do not give you permission to feel bad of, or like feel like guilty or bad or negatively about yourself because you did this or are doing this or will do this in the future because it's just something that we have to do. When you don't let yourself have an emotion, especially one like that for a very long time you're yeah when you start having it you're gonna kind of like go like to the other side where you are just letting yourself tell everyone when you're angry even in situations that maybe aren't the best because you're finally giving yourself permission to it's kind of the way that we like 
work through that because that doesn't last forever. (laughs) And that's why I'm saying you're not allowed to make yourself feel bad about that. Like, yeah, that happens for a while, but eventually you figure out like ways you kind of learn how to, um, how to like handle it in a way that doesn't feel like you're holding it inside. It's instead you figure out how to kind of pick and choose situations and realize that you don't need to battle with everyone and um, you kind of see like situations where you're like, yeah, that's just not worth it. I, I don't need to spend this energy on you. This is dumb. Goodbye. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's already very incredibly important. Um, it like being able to prove that you can be angry is like I said, it's like almost the first time you like truly level up, at least in my mind, that was when I really leveled up was when I proved that I could do that because I didn't have to, I stopped because just, because just the obvious, really, like, I don't know how else to explain it, but like you, a lot of the people pleasing stuff we do is based on keeping people happy because we feel like we need to keep everyone happy. Um, and that if somebody is mad at us or doesn't like us or whatever, then like our idea of who we are becomes like scattered Um, and we kind of panic, but like, if you are allowed to, if you're allowing yourself to be mad at other people and you no longer feel like this or the need to like, please other people is not as strong, then that people pleasing stuff kind of goes away, uh, or at least lessens a lot because you're no longer trying to please people. You're like, honestly, just being yourself. And like, if somebody says something that you think is rude as fuck you're gonna tell them to shut the fuck up or however you say that instead of holding it all in um but on top of that anger is also a secondary emotion and by that what I mean is that it's an it's it's an emotion that is always covering up a more painful emotion underneath um and that's sorry if you can hear that in the background that's one of my cats um, having a time and a half doing the zoomies. Um, but yeah, so the, the whole thing with anger that is why, like, eventually if you keep working on it, you'll get to the point where you like realize situations when it's worth it to like almost be mad at someone and tell them about it and other situations where it's not. It's it's because the more you do it, the more you understand like what the feeling that is underneath like that anger really is like anger is never usually there just purely because of it like when you're sad and you want to cry like when I was talking about me being progressively sadder as this month goes along and I think about how I'm not going to see my therapist again like this feeling of sadness isn't covering up something else like I am just sad imagining like not seeing this therapist that I've been seeing for the last year and a half that has helped me make huge progress with myself in ways that I didn't think was really possible when I started seeing her last year there's like no other painful feeling underneath all of that in the way that there is with anger like for example yesterday when I was going to therapy I don't have a car so I always take a lift to therapy Um, and yesterday the weirdest thing happened. Usually I, you get the little notification that when they're like two minutes away. And usually when I get that, I go outside and like 
usually by the time I get out front is right around the time when they get to my apartment or they're about to pull up. Um, so I went outside and like right after I walked outside, I got the notification. I was standing out front and I was like looking around for like the, for a car and looking at the license plates and the car, there was no car that wasn't like one of the normal ones from one of my neighbors out front. And it's, and then I got the notification saying that the person arrived at my apartment and I was like looking around and I couldn't find them. And I was like, this is weird. Um, and then I opened up the app and like sent them a little message being like, Hey, I don't see you. Uh, where are you? That sort of thing. Um, and right after I sent that message, maybe like 30 seconds after I sent it, I got a notification that the driver canceled my, um, canceled my trip and so I'm like standing outside therapy is supposed to start in like 20 minutes and now I have to reorder another another um, driver and usually takes between like six to eight minutes for a driver to get to my apartment and um, I'm like 96% sure that there was a car across the street a little bit farther down on my street that was at the wrong parking comp like the wrong apartment complex there's an apartment complex that's across the street like a block down and I saw a car doing like a u-turn at that complex so I think that that uber or lyft driver went to the wrong apartment building and when they saw that I wasn't out front and waited for a little bit to see if I would come out and then I, I guess saw me message asking where they were and just like disregarded it and just canceled the trip. So they went to the wrong apartment building and canceled it and made me a couple minutes late for my appointment because they went to the wrong building. And so when that happened, I was really mad. Like I was so mad. Like I usually, I'm usually really nice when it comes to customer service stuff because I work jobs like that. I know how shitty that life is. Like Today, I ordered Domino's pizza, and the driver brought, like, mixed up the orders, and so it took another, like, hour and a half for them to, like, remake my order and drop it off again. I just called the place to to tell them what happened so that he could come back and, like, switch the food, um, but I was never mad or angry or anything like that, even though I was hungry. That's how I usually was, but when that mix-up happened with my Lyft driver... I, like, went on the app to, like, even do, like, a little complaint about her, um, like, canceling the, or, canceling, like, the drive when I was, like, standing out front waiting for her after I tried to contact her, and it was because I was fucking pissed, and I, and the reason why I was mad is because I don't like that feeling, like, that feeling of loss of control. I hate being late for things. Like, I hate so much being late for things, and... It just feels, like, rude to do to people, and I just hate, and I hated the fact that there was nothing that I could do about it, that because I don't have a car, I'm dependent on drivers, and so I was mad because it was really, like, a loss of control, that there was nothing that I could do to make that person come back and, like, pick me up like every other driver has done at, like, every other time, (laughs) Um, and so I was, I, that's why I was mad. It wasn't just like I want to rage out on you. It was like I want to I'm want to rage out on you because you are now going to be the reason why I'm late for my therapy appointment and I really don't want to be late cuz I don't want to like lose any time during that t- like 
I was, I just kept thinking like, this is one of my last appointments with my therapist. I don't want to miss out on any of the time that we have left to work on this stuff before the end of the month. Um, so that's a good example of how anger is a secondary emotion. Um, but I think that anger when you're the scapegoated person in your family is even more complex. Um, because a lot of the times we're not allowed to like show that we're not allowed to show emotions in general, but we're especially not allowed to show anger. And I'm kind of wondering if people had similar family experiences like this, like I did, where when you did show emotions, when you did show anger, it was like people almost, they almost like overreacted in a way compared to how they reacted to how everyone else in the family would be. Um, because you didn't show it so often. And so when you did, it was like, it was like none of them knew what to do. <sighs> yeah, so that, that, that's what I wanted to talk about this week. Because essentially, in um, therapy this week, we didn't do any more EMDR processing. We kind of had a week to talk about what we were doing before we go to like the next thing. Um, because one of the things when we were processing last week and I was like letting myself feel all of the emotions of these memories and letting myself cry and be upset and really feel those things when I felt like I couldn't I was afraid that I couldn't handle it that was one of the things that I said to my therapist I'm afraid that I that I can't really handle feeling all of those things at once and I think a lot of it is because the emotions or the memories at least that we're working on currently were things that my mom did and that's difficult because she's still alive like my dad's been dead for um how long for eight years now yeah for eight years and so I haven't had to see him in that long amount of time and so even when I'm working through things with him that are horrible like he's gone there's no way I can ever contact him and yell at him or scream at him there's like that idea is like not physically possible but with my mom it is she lives 15 minutes away from my apartment I don't know exactly where she lives but it wouldn't be hard to find out if I really wanted to try and I know at least generally where she used to live and I'm pretty sure she still lives there um, she lives, she at least moved at some point close to where my sister lives, like five minutes away from my sister's apartment, which is a very golden child thing to happen. <laughs> um, but yes, so it's, the thing is that like, the thing that's hard about that too, is that like my sister has a relationship with my mom. The aunt that I just went on a vacation with is related to my, is, you know, I know her through my mom. And they still still have, like, a relationship of some sort. Like, I obviously don't know anything about how often they see each other or anything because I don't want to know. But they at least, like, talk and are friendly and all that sort of stuff. And, like, I don't want to mess... Um, not mess things up because that makes it sound like it's my fault. But it's more like things with those relationships are in a good place. Like, especially after the last, like, um, the vacation we did last weekend... It was really nice spending time with my sister and her boyfriend with my aunt in that setting where everyone could just be relaxed and chill. Um, 
and so like things with me and my aunt are really nice and things with my sister and I are always like kind of weird but we've like found like a nice I found a nice balance of not feeling like I have to talk to her to keep tabs with her because I'm not responsible for her anymore but also um talking to her and trying to spend time with her when I do because I still do want to see her and still love her and care about her um and if I suddenly like lost my shit on my mom and just started screaming at her about this stuff um not only would it be completely a waste of time because my mom would never she would never admit to any of the things that I was talking about she would never admit that any of these things happened and even if she did admit that they happened she would never admit her responsibility in the part of these memories she never so like I would be getting really upset yelling at her and she would say nothing back and then afterwards she would definitely tell my sister about it she would probably be like upset and all that sort of stuff um and so that would never lead anywhere good and so I don't want that to happen but at the same time it's like how do I let myself feel like all of the emotions that are like all on top of each other when I think about these memories from this time when I was like a teenage-ish age and the things that happened with her during that time without like just wanting to like lose it and scream at her on the phone or or um or like show up at her house and scream at her and throw something at her face in person um that's and I've been afraid and I realized during this last session, my therapist helped me realize that, um, and my therapist had the idea to focus on a memory that made me feel like I, if I, like, let my full, like, anger, pain, hurt, whatever, out, that it would be, like, dangerous and I would, like, turn into my dad. Like, where does that idea come from? Because this has been like a trend with me <laughs> like ever since EMDR stuff started um I used to be afraid that if I did it that I would like not be able to handle the memories that we were bringing up and I would um get like super duper depressed again that was like the thing that stopped me in the beginning and so there's and now it's like turned into more this that I know I can handle some of these memories but I'm afraid that I won't be able to handle the emotions attached to these memories and um that's been like an ongoing fear of mine for a while that like if I let myself completely feel all of the things um that I was feeling when all these things were happening to me that it would be too overwhelming in some way, whether it, it's like me becoming super depressed or me wanting to murder my mother, <laughs> one or the other. Um, but right now it's more leaning towards wanting to scream at her and like throw a chair at her face because the like anger that I'm feeling and almost like betrayal, not almost, yes, betrayal from like the memories that I'm working on currently is really like prevalent. That's like the thing that I really think about and are feeling when I think when I remember those times and how like my how I felt during when all of that was going on um and so she brought and so my therapist asked me like is there like a certain thing that happened that made you feel like 
you know, you couldn't, that you would be, that your emotions were like almost too much or too dangerous or too out of control. Um, and I feel like I'm pretty sure just because of the fact we only have three appointments left that this is probably going to be like the last thing that my therapist and I really work on together. Um, and it may, it kind of seems like a lateral move because up until this point, we've been working on processing emotions, like, or emotions process. Well, yeah, processing emotions, but through memories and like the memory we've been working on from when I was like 14 and it has uh, to do with things that happened with my mom. It's still there. We haven't like processed it, but it's kind of one of those deals where I don't think I can like really completely move forward with it and fully process it in the way that we did with the first memory we worked on from when I was like nine until I figure out or almost like convince myself that I can like feel the like lengths of like despair, anger, hurt, betrayal, like sadness, all that, like all those feelings that I feel on top of each other without like going like without almost exploding in some way. Um, and so, uh, sorry, this is just, it's something that's hard to almost put into words sometimes how that feels. But essentially what I, what she helped me see yesterday was that, um, that there was a, a specific time when I was 14 that, um, that I like let the, my anger out because I just like lost it, honestly. And, um, my mom's reaction to it just kind of stays in my mind. And it's one of those things that like the reaction she had to it was like more severe than she had that I can remember at least to anything my dad or my sister did. And it's like, how is what I did this like huge big deal that affect her affected her so much? But the things that they were doing and even what she did was like not a big deal and was just acted like it was normal. Like I know that the reason why that is is because I was the scapegoat. But it's still like really frustrating to and like difficult to remember this stuff. And it's kind of this is one of those things with EMDR that like even though I have all these memories and I know these things are true, like these different kind of issues like, triggers, whatever it is, like, come up in, like, surprising ways that I didn't think about before, because it makes sense, like, I've always kind of had this belief that I can't, that I'm, like, too much, that I can't, like, let out all of my emotions, or people are going to be, like, overwhelmed by them, um, but essentially the memory that I had, I've realized since work, doing this work, too, that a lot of times the memories that you have are all kind of, like, they're all kind of almost surrounding a certain time of your life where there was something that happened that you, for whatever reason, can't remember. And if you like dig into all the memories almost like surrounding it with EMDR processing with a certified therapist just to make sure people are being safe, don't do this on your own, um, then 
whatever that like big memory is will like come out easier um because you're but it's it's honestly like the best clue you can have like if you're someone that's still hasn't tried EMDR or is trying it but not sure like what to really do at least for me that's the biggest indicator of of like what you can do is like what times in your life are there are there these like little other memories that you do remember then that probably means that something big was happening during that time even if you can't remember what it was and if you focus on what those memories like how those memories make you feel then maybe that stuff will come out um because like the memory we've been processing have been from when I was 14 and involving like the domestic violence memory I've talked about a few times where my dad threatened pushing my mom down the stairs and I had to stop him from doing it um and that kind of like working on that memory brought up other things from my mom of her being like very angry and a lot more like aggressive with me than I ever really remember seeing her do um and her her knowing that I like tried to tell somebody about my dad and her covering everything with him up um which was surprising to me at the time that she somehow found out and I still don't know how she found out she somehow found out from someone um but that she at least like made it seem like the person that I talked to that um eventually decided that they didn't believe me that they thought that I was like exaggerating things to get attention was somebody that she knew I mean you never know if that was true or not she could have just been lying and like my dad could have told her about it it, because I imagine that he would have somehow known that that was going on uh or someone or like the therapy office could have told her about it um at some point she could have like requested the medical records from the therapy office and found out about it herself who even knows because this was like a year or so after all that happened but that's the stuff that I've been working on and it's all around the time when I was 14 and so the other memory that I that like my therapist helped me like bring up and realize that this is definitely something that like makes me feel like I I like can't that like my anger is almost like too dangerous that I even after all of this work that I'm still afraid that I'm gonna somehow turn into my dad and just like lay into someone without like thinking about how it would make them feel and not caring how it would make them feel like he used to all the time um is there's this there was this one day when I was like 14 and my it was when my dad had moved back in with us for the first time since they got divorced because my mom is an idiot and um and so I already was like on edge and like the way that that the place that we were living in at the time was a duplex and it was a three bedroom but like when my dad moved back in he took my room so my sister and I had to share a room and and then my mom's room but like all of the rooms were like right next to each other in this like little hallway on like the second floor of you know the like up the stairs and this little like it was a townhouse that was split into two you know you can picture it very a very midwestern place we lived in like townhouses pretty much ever since after they got divorced we just 
kept moving to different townhouses every two years because <laughs> my mom could never afford rent. But anyway, um, so what? there was this one weekend day when um, my mom, or not my mom, when my dad and my sister were just yelling at each other like the entire day and they would not stop yelling and like yelling is a huge trigger for me clearly I was already on edge a lot because my dad was living with us again how could I not be and then on top of that they're both just yelling at each other the entire day and will not I mean it like it was almost constant for like eight hours they would not they would not stop it was relentless and I was like slowly but surely losing my mind especially because at that time I didn't have like any friends at all like I had one friend um but it was the kind of friend where you we only hung out when we saw each other at school we did we never saw each other outside of school it never even came up to see each other that's like the friend that one of the friends that um I ended up stopping talking to a couple years ago when COVID started. That time was, like, super weird. (laughs) Like, we were friends. Like, we were good friends when we were hanging out in class. But it was kind of that weird dynamic that can happen in, like, middle school. Because this was when I was in, like, eighth grade. Where you, like, hang out in school. But, like, almost... They almost don't want to be seen with you outside of it. Because I was seriously, like, so unpopular. Nobody liked me. Like nobody like if if he was that guy wasn't around nobody would like really talk to me or um no one would want to sit by me during lunch if he wasn't there no one he was the only person that I considered like a friend at all during like middle school time and um so I say all that because I didn't have like a friend's house to like go to to get away from my family But on top of that, I felt, like, responsible for protecting my mom and my sister from my dad. Like, I knew that our whole, like, agreement thing, like, fucked up agreement thing that he got me to agree to when I was, like, nine years old to, like, keep everything a secret. That was, even though, like, he wasn't sexually abusing me during this time, that that idea that, like, if you just do whatever I say, then I won't hurt like anyone else that was still there so it was like this back and forth like push and pull sort of thing where like I didn't want to be there but I also felt like I I even felt like I couldn't just leave to go like walk you know walk around like our the subdivision where we lived you know um just to get away like I because I was generally genuinely afraid of what would happen if I left And so, like, I didn't have any friends to go to even if I wanted to. And then I also felt like I couldn't leave because if I did, I was afraid of what my dad was going to do to, like, one of them when I was gone. Um, And I remember this day. And this day, like, like I said, they were, they would not shut up. I remember at some point during this day, Um, my sister just started screaming at my dad again and it was like hours of it in and I just like lost it and went to like and like put my hand over her mouth like and was just like can you please shut up and until she like finally stopped like talking and I was and 
Like, I I know now that I shouldn't have done that, but it was a thing of I was 14 and I was under so much pressure and I didn't know what else to do and I didn't have any way to, to cope with what was happening and my parents weren't helping me. Like, my dad just kept yelling at her and my mom didn't do anything to really to stop them. And so that already happened that day. And this was like a couple hours later and they were still yelling at each other. And my mom had like locked herself into her room and she was being very like dramatic about being sad. Like, I'm sure that there was a good part of my mom that was actually like depressed. Like, it's one of those weird things that I know now after all of the work that I've been through that even though my parents did horribly fucked up things to my me and my sister, I know that they actually were like struggling with all of the things that they had been through and that's why they were doing those things. So like my mom went into her room and closed the door and like locked the door and wouldn't come out and and like turned the lights off. So she's like in her room with the lights off laying in bed like, being sad, and, like, I used to do that, like, when I would get super depressed, super sad, and just, like, overwhelmed, I still do that sometimes, when I get really overwhelmed, I'll just, like, lay in bed, and, like, turn, and, like, and, like, turn on, like, a YouTube video, or a podcast, or something, and, like, close my eyes, and just listen to it, and not, like, and that's, like, the closest I get to that now, since I have, like, a studio apartment, But I get that feeling of, like, being overwhelmed and just wanting to go and hide somewhere and be sad. But the thing is, is that you're my mother and you're also very, a very dramatic person (laughs) with, like, how you express your emotions. Like, that was a ridiculous, honestly, like, a ridiculous thing to do. Like, you're, what are you doing? Um, You created the situation. And it's also a thing, me as an adult, is, like, you created this situation. Like, you let dad move in with us. You could try to get him to shut the fuck up but instead of doing that you're just hiding in your room with the lights off like almost like creating like a lifetime movie like moment for yourself about how sad you are about your own life when like when instead of thinking about the ways that you're harming like your kids that are also around you it's like okay um so anyway that day is because they kept yelling and it was, like, probably eight hours into them doing this. And I f- and my mom would not come out of her room. Like, we were, like, knocking on her door, asking her what she was doing, if she was okay, and asking her to come out, and she would not come out. She, would like, wouldn't even say anything. And I just lost it. I couldn't handle it anymore. And I, like, went up, to, and I just kept yelling for her to open the door. She wouldn't open the door. So then I just started kicking her door and I like, and the bottom of her door became, was like warped because I kicked it so many times. And that's when she finally opened the fucking door and like came out of her room and like stopped doing that. And, and I remember like, I don't think this was that day, but it was like soon of when that happened that my dad said something about he was probably talking about how they how they had to pay to fix the door since I like basically broke it and um and that and my mom said something about how looking at it like turns her stomach like makes her feel sick 
that I, that, like, I did something like that. And I just, and she said it when I was, like, standing right there. Like, there was no way that I could have not heard her say that. Like, she knew that I heard that. Um, and that's, like, the thing that is, the thing that we're going to work on working through that I think is the connection to me feeling like I can't, that I can't feel like the full range of my emotions or I'm going to lose it. But like, so obviously me kicking that door that way wasn't like the best way to handle that. And like me, like holding my hand over my sister's mouth to get her to stop yelling for 10 minutes wasn't the best way to handle that either. But, um, it's something that I think about now as an adult, now that I'm outside of that situation. Like, one, I don't know if this is also something people feel, but, like, I'm 37 right now. Um, I am the age that my mom was when I was 10 years old. And so I've, like, thought about that a lot lately, that, like, I could never, like, we're leaving, we're obviously living completely different lives. I don't have kids. I'm not married. I'm not doing any of the things that she was doing but like it almost brings into perspective of how much of an adult she was when that was happening like when I was 10 was when my dad was abusing me and she knew about it and was helping cover it up and so like me being an adult now being that age now I know for sure how much she knew that that was not okay that that was not something that should be happening that she knew that that it's almost, like, brings into perspective, like, understanding that she really, like, those moments when I try to, like, almost gaslight myself and be, like, oh, maybe it wasn't, she really didn't know, or, oh, maybe things weren't really that bad, and it's, like, no, I know these things are wrong, and I'm the same age that she is, so obviously she knew that it was wrong, too, um, but on top of that, the thing that I've been thinking about is, like, like, my dad and my sister that day were yelling for, like, hours, hours about everything. Like, my dad was always on the edge of being out of control. Like, you never knew when, like, him yelling at someone would, like, almost go over a particular edge and become much more vicious. But, like, they were yelling at each other for, like, eight hours in a row that day. But, and that, so it's like, that wasn't the thing that turned her stomach. That wasn't the thing that made her really upset. Like, my dad and my sister could do whatever they wanted. They could show whatever emotions they wanted. They could, like, go off the wall and scream at each other, throw things. Like, my sister used to throw stuff at me when we were around that age and a little bit younger and stuff all the time. Um, and... They could do all that sort of stuff, but, like, the one time that I, like, get, I actually show how angry I am because I've reached, like, the point where I can't hold it in anymore, and I don't know what to do, and especially that memory, it's, like, it was a mix of, like, the fear of my dad being around, then being, like, so hugely triggered by listening to him scream all day long, and then also having to listen to my sister scream all day long, like, and hearing them argue all day, knowing that there was nothing I could say to get them to stop. And then my mom being the person that was supposed to help in these situations, and she is locked inside of her room, 
in the dark and like won't respond to anything anyone will was saying so it's like so I don't so I also don't know what's going on with her like I don't know if she's okay I don't know what she's doing if she's all right in there if she's even still in there or if somehow like snuck away or something I don't know what's going on and so I finally like out of like almost like desperation of just being so mad about not knowing what's happening with everyone and just not knowing how to handle any of it do that and it's like this was like one of the very few times that I ever showed emotion like that at all and my mom's reaction to it was to feel sick to her stomach because I broke her door or at least like warped the bottom of it where there was like a clear indent of where I was like kicking it And, but like, so it's like everyone else can act wild, but when I finally like show emotion for the first time in like months, probably at that point, like one time, that's, that's too much. And I'm like completely shamed for doing that because I very clearly remember after that never doing anything like that ever again and never really showing any real emotion really like that again like hardly ever like um like the thing I was telling my therapist during this week's session was like there's a lot of the memories that made me really sad when I spent the whole session crying last week was like there are all these memories of me from when I was like 13, 14 through to the whole time I was in like high school and even the beginning of college that I would be in my bedroom at whatever place we lived in at the time. And yeah, sometimes the lights were off, like how my mom was doing it. And, um, but even if they weren't, I just remember being so angry at all of them, but knowing that there was, I couldn't, like show that I was and any time I ever like showed that I was mad on my face they would tell me that I was being dramatic and why am I still angry why why are you st- why are you being so dramatic why are you still so upset the argument's over we've moved on but it's like yeah all of them moved on after screaming at each other for 20 minutes but I didn't because I had to stay like um calm during all of that to try to get them to stop so I never got to tell any of them how I felt about what was going on um and I can remember just like laying in my room and like my body like vibrating because I was so angry and I would like turn on like my Walkman or eventually became like a little mp3 player um into like even my iPhone because I did this up until like 2019 I used to do this and I would listen to hybrid theory Lincoln Park's first CD like that came out when I was a junior in high school and so before that I used to listen to other things um Alanis Morissette was a good like go-to for some angry music before that but um after them it was always them and that was just like something that I did forever like it wasn't until I went to my treatment program and they taught me some coping skills or like gave me permission almost to show how angry I was at them that I finally like did that um and I was able to not let it dominate my day but like from that time when I was like 14 and I like messed up my mom's door and she told me that it made her feel sick 
until like I went to Rogers, which is the place I went to when I was like almost 34 years old. I never like showed that I was angry like all of that time. I would hold it all in until it just like exploded everywhere. And I like almost and I like couldn't hold it in anymore. But like that was the only way I knew how to do it because like I remember then that like if I got angry at somebody about anything at all, even the most like thing the silliest things that didn't make any sense, I would spend like the entire day like just off like feeling like my body was vibrating not being able to calm down listening to like hybrid theory over and over and over again trying to like listen to this angry music and get that out of my system so that I could like relax but it would seriously take like so long some a lot of the times it would like lead to like um having like a panic attack because I was afraid of myself being that angry and I would be, like, desperately trying to calm myself down because I was scaring, like, myself. But I, like, didn't know how to do that. So it wouldn't, it, I couldn't do it. Um, but, it, yeah, like, it went on for that long. And so, like, a lot of the sad memories that I have when I remember myself, especially when I was, like, teenage age from that time, is, like, just sitting in my room and just crying. Like, listening to of like hybrid theory and other music like that just crying in my room feeling so sad about and knowing that like and being so angry at my family and sad because nobody I know that nobody would even notice that I was upset or care and they never did like one of the things that always bothers me still and it probably will always bother me to an extent is the fact that like when I cry I don't make any noise that's like one of those indicators that you've been abused as a kid that's like almost like insidious because it's not something that you would ever really look at as an as like a sign that's really obvious but like the fact that I can sit there and like cry like continuously but if you don't look at my face and if I don't talk you would never know because I don't make any of the noises that most people do when they cry because I grew up being horribly abused. I couldn't do that. I couldn't make noise like that. That was not a, I could, that was putting me in danger. So, but like, that's one of those things that I really hate that like, I would sit there in my room really, really upset, just crying for like hours sometimes listening to music that was supposed to help me calm down from being angry over and over and over again. And nobody in my family would even know that I was doing it because they couldn't even hear anything. And nobody would bother to come in even check on me because um, they didn't do that. And, like, that's, that's so, like, backwards. It's, like, I know everything in an abusive family is, is upside down and backwards. But it's, it's just, like, this wild thing that, like, when you're the scapegoated person in your family, you're, like, somehow meant to be, like, superhuman or like not human you're not you're you're not supposed to have emotions you're not supposed to show them and so the times when you do it's like everyone else in your family just like doesn't know what to do and inwardly like panics about it and just says whatever that they can think of to you to like shame you into silence and um 
Because, like, uh, my parents and my sister did a lot of things during the years that was worse than, like, messing up a door. Like I did that time. Even though it was, like, something physical that my mom could look at. Like, they did some horrible shit. And that didn't get the same emotional response from her as that did when it was something I did. And it's just like this... Like, I should have been able to be angry, but I couldn't. None of they wanted me to exist in that family. There's no way that I could have... I could have, because that would have led eventually to me, like, leaving. Because I would have... If I was able to be so angry at them, I would have told them that stuff, and they wouldn't... It wouldn't have worked. They would have, like, wanted me gone. It's just... It's one of those horrible things of, like... It's really fucked up that my mom told me that I was... That, like, what I did turned her stomach that way. And that after that, I just knew that I was never allowed to show that. And... Like, a lot of problems that I had with friends during all of those years came from the fact that I felt like I could never be angry. That, like, around them, because they were my friends, so I, like, loved them and I trusted them and I felt safer around them. That I would, like, sometimes when I would be angry, I would, like, actually show them that. I would let my... I could be mad around them. I could tell them when I thought they were being ridiculous and things like that because I did feel like I could do that with them but then that also meant that they were the only people that ever heard that so they sometimes a lot of times had to deal with me like losing it a bit on them um when especially when we were in high school when we were like teenage age they were probably really confused about why I was so upset about this thing that was like minor um and it was because it was the only time I could ever like let that emotion out at all like I couldn't do it at home and like you can't like just bottle up all of your anger forever it has to come out somewhere or else you're going to like lose your mind so like it came out in those situations and I I'm sure that that's why a part at least of why it was hard for me to like maintain like friendships and stuff like that throughout those years because because, like, that's not fair, but that also was, like, the only thing that I could possibly do at that point was to let it out in that way, and because my family, that was not, like, something I could really do, so I was, that was the only option that I really had, um, and so, like, since this whole episode has been about anger, I wanted to give people, like, some, like, I guess, yeah, some, like, a, a at least a couple coping mechanisms that I started doing when I was at Rogers that helped a lot. Um, the main one is writing a letter to the person that you're angry at. And like, I know that might sound, um, silly. Um, but it's really effective because like some people, most people, when they write those letters, they never intend to send them. They're just like you can I've wrote many of those letters to like my dad he's not alive anymore it doesn't matter but I still do it um because it's just a way to like unleash that stuff 
And, like, like some of the stuff that I'm afraid of with, like, feeling all of that anger from all that time at my mom from those years is that I'm afraid that, like, you know, writing a letter to her like that won't be good enough. That I'll want to, like, call her up and scream at her or send her, like, uh, really angry messages on Facebook or something or, like, show up at her house. Like, I'm worried that, like, a letter like that won't be enough for me that I'll, like, want to go and like almost do something more active because I'll be so angry that I won't know how to calm down but like writing the letters is a really 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 good way to kind of start almost practicing what it's like to be angry at someone and to like say the things that you're feeling to like be able to like express your emotions and in like a somewhat clear and concise manner to be able to tell them how you feel and why you feel that way um and that was the things that I did when I was in my treatment program that was like some of the last things they did was my therapist had me write a letter to my mom first since that one was a little bit easier and then um, write a letter to my dad and when I wrote a letter to both of them especially when I wrote the letter to my dad I was so angry like I was so mad that I felt like I had all this energy just like like, coursing through my body, like, I got up and, like, walked up and down the stairs of, like, the building that we were in a couple times before my therapist came back to, like, check on me at the end of our session and when he left me to, like, write those because I, like, had all this excess energy and, like, even when I left, like, therapy that day, I still had all of this extra energy. I remember, like, I went home and, like, did, like, a painting and, like, listened to, like, angry Lincoln Park music in bed for a few hours until I could finally, like, calm down, um, but it was, like, less time than it usually took for me to calm down than any other time I had done it before, and I had basically proved to myself that I could, like, just yell at him, say every horrible thing that I've always wanted to say to him that I was never able to say to him and to her in a clear way, and, um, without, like, imploding or losing it on somebody else or, like, wanting to, like, storm across town to like throw something at her head or anything like that and like afterwards this is the part that I think is the best part is that um after that after my therapist read them we um like shred them up into like little pieces we like tore them up into little pieces and like the plan we had was to take them outside and like burn them um but this was like December and it had like just gotten cold the day before so like they wouldn't start on fire because it was too cold outside so we ended up just like tearing them up into even smaller pieces and throwing them in the dumpster of like our right outside of our building and so for like the next year or so after that I used to write letters like that all the time to both of my parents whenever I had like this like that anger I would just like lay it all out in that way and like um for a little bit I had I got like I used to get um what those like mason jars that's what I'm thinking of I used to get mason jars from the dollar store when I lived at my old apartment and there was a dollar store like a two minute walk away from my apartment and I had a car so I could just get there in like one minute I would buy like these mason jars for a dollar and then and I, and I got, like, a cheap, like, lighter, and I would, like, and I would, like, 
put the mason jar in like my um sink and then light the pieces of the letter on fire and throw them in the mason jar and then after they were done burning I would go outside and throw them into the dumpster um just to like get them out of my apartment but like even after doing that for a little bit like I lot like my later stopped getting stopped working and I also would get like like paranoid that like I was going to somehow burn something in my apartment and like damage something so another way to do it if you don't have fire or you or you're afraid like me like you're gonna accidentally start something on fire is to put like water in like a cup and then and like and you know put like the pieces of the letter like make they you can make them like smaller if you want and just shove them all into the cup because like because then you can watch like the paper start to disintegrate when it's in the cup and that also gives like the same feeling of watching like the words that you were just watching like disintegrate and it feels like it feels really good when you do that um so the main ways that I've handled that or learned how to handle it when I was learning how to be angry without like losing my mind was writing those letters and art because like when I like draw something or like when I painted when I would paint something whatever it would be um when I do that part of the reason why I love that is that I'm not thinking about what I'm really doing I just I like a lot of times I have like a general idea of what I'm trying to make but a lot of times like I just kind of let myself go with the flow in a way like this is like taking like time and effort for me to do but when I'm trying to make something I like if I have like a an exact idea I want to do it never turns out that way and I just end up getting frustrated so instead I have a general idea that I start making but if as I'm making it, like, another idea pops into my mind, and I end up going with that instead, then I start doing that instead. Instead of being, like, so focused on, like, the one goal, I just kind of let it go where it's going to. So, like, when I'm doing it, I, like, decide to pick whatever colors I want to make or, like, decide to do whatever I want as I'm drawing it, but I'm not thinking very hard about what I'm doing. I'm just kind of letting myself do it, and so when I do that, and I, and, like, I always usually listen to music when I do it. I'm not like thinking about really what I'm doing and it's a way for like my brain to kind of like decompress and kind of um like float away and be in like an, a happier place. And like yeah, a bunch of times when I do art, especially when I'm doing it because I'm like angry or overwhelmed by those sort of feelings, I definitely um I'm thinking about things that made me mad and I'm listening to like my angry Linkin Park music on repeat still um with just more songs this time <laughs> than when I had when I was in high school but I still do that but it's just that I'm able to like get those feelings out in a different in like a way that is more constructive than me just laying in my bed like shaking because I'm so mad and I don't know what to do. So yeah, this is like the beginning, at least, I would say, of my talk about anger. Like, it's completely unfair that us as scapegoats, that we're never allowed to be angry. And because of that, it's like a, uh, a self-fulfilling prophecy in a way. Like, no matter what we do, we can never make them happy. Because we have to basically shut off all of our emotions in order to try to keep everyone else 
okay. But because we do that, we then are like, at some point, because we're keeping all of these horrible emotions inside, things are going to explode out at some point. Like there's only so long a person can exist that way. And so then when we do, it ends up being like a lot more than what they're expecting or what other people are doing in the family because we never show that side of us. So when we do, they're always really surprised. So it's like this whole thing of like, like they shame us whenever we do show emotions and we actually show how angry we are because we tend to, because when we do get angry, it's usually like off the charts like I went from showing no anger at all to like making the bottom of my mom's door like all dented from my foot because um because we're forced to hide all of that stuff inside of us because of how much pressure they put on us to be the one to keep everyone else calm so it's like we try to do that to make everyone happy but then eventually we explode which doesn't make us happy and shames us from having emotions which just leads to us like exploding again at a later date. <laughs> like it's like no matter what we do it's never enough it's never good enough it never like really solves the situation. Um it's just always like a cycle of doing always doing something that is somehow wrong it's not right like we should be able to show our emotions we should be able to tell our loved ones that they're a piece of shit or we should be able to just say that we don't like a movie that somebody liked without like being without like spending the rest of the day like shaking and afraid because somebody disagreed with us or we disagreed with somebody else and we're afraid that they're not going to want to be our friend anymore. Like, that's the sort of stuff that used to happen all the time with me. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know where to end this. I never know where to end these episodes. But I guess this is the end. Um, I hope that the whole thing with, like, journaling out a, a letter is helpful. Um, I'll... This weekend is Mother's Day, which is, like, awful, especially considering that the memories that I've been working through, as I said, have been about my mom, not about my dad. Um, so that's gonna be terrible. <laughs> Just being honest. Um, and I haven't even discussed the Roe v. Wade stuff, which is also objectively horrifying and incredibly triggering and re-traumatizing um so I'll check in with another episode sometime this weekend um yeah I hope this helps everyone with figuring out anger because I know it's really challenging for us but it is a necessity <laughs>